Welcome to the Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Illusion of Nation States. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. I apologize for my voice tonight. It's gotten a little bit messy today, but we'll get through this podcast just fine. I'll tell you, one of the things we are currently dealing with is the illusion of nation states. And this is what we're going to dig into tonight to really put in perspective the different types of relationship they put us in with them and how they've actually created nation states to keep us imprisoned. One thing we have to be very cognizant of right now is the fact that as things begin to unravel, your home security is one of the most important things you can possibly do. The idea of being able to call on the police any random time you want to fix the problems is becoming rapidly a thing of the past. Self-defense and home security are part of our requirements in our own home. And that's one of the things in this critical age, as violence increases in other areas, we have to take all the precautions we can to increase our training and to increase our focus on making sure our our domestic place of residence is safe. If there was ever a story that best encapsulated how bad crime has become, it's the one about Starbucks providing baristas with active shooter training because our cities aren't safe anymore. And while the Supreme Court has made it easier for you to conceal carry for protection, it's your responsibility to be properly trained. That's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including .223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. This is the smartest investment in your ability to safely and effectively handle your firearm. Plus, it will pay for itself in one day. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com. Offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you want to have iTargetPro.com, offer code BARDS. You definitely want to take advantage of that great piece of kit. You want it, and it saves you tons of money on ammo. So, Patriots, the challenge that we currently have right now when we start to look at this mess that we're in is we keep trying to see ourselves living in a nation state with a government that's representative of the people. Fact of the matter is that we're anything but that. We're actually a company. We're living within the corporate company, and the elites the corporate leaders, the banksters, and those that we think we elected that actually they are choosing for us are leading this parade with our highest level of worship and duty to the company being paying our taxes. And so this amazing grift that they put on the world has got us really thinking that we're doing the right thing and 
in doing our right thing by paying the taxes to be obedient servants, which I guess citizens, but we're actually being very obedient slaves. What I want to begin with tonight is a piece by Tom Reese. Now, this piece is about eight minutes long. I want you to hear it. It's going to set, I want you to listen to this in terms of what the real world leadership is like, and then we'll dig back into this corporate structure. Take a listen to this. Twenty-five years ago, Princess Diana's car crashed inside the Pont de la Alma tunnel in Paris, France. Her lover, Dottie Fayed, died upon impact along with the driver. And even though Diana survived, it took about 40 minutes to get her from the car to the ambulance. The official story was that they were trying to free her from the car, but several witnesses say that Diana was conscious and unobstructed. Photographs show that the back seat of the car was undamaged, and witnesses were pleading with the police to open the door and help her. Once in the ambulance, it took about 40 minutes for them to choose a hospital, and when they finally set off, the ambulance drove at a snail's pace and made several stops, taking about 40 minutes to drive less than four miles. Doctors were turned away, witnesses were strip-searched, cameras were confiscated, no evidence was gathered, no blood samples were taken, and by 3 a.m., the entire scene was sprayed down with high-pressure water hoses. Mercedes wanted to study the wreckage to see why it failed so badly, but they were denied. Diana's body was taken by the royal family, who had her reproductive organs removed before burying her remains. All 17 cameras along the route of the crash were mysteriously turned off, and all radio police frequencies went down. Witnesses were assaulted and threatened, and there was no investigation. Not until the inquest, 10 years later, which is when most people learned that Diana had penned a note in 1996 saying that someone was going to kill her in a car accident. This note was concealed for six years. At the inquest, experts agreed that Diana would have survived if they had gotten her to a hospital. But the blame was put upon a military-style attack. According to witnesses, a group of motorcycles, along with a white Fiat Uno, worked in concert to crash the car. First, with a blinding flash of light, followed by an explosion from the front tire of the Mercedes. During the inquest, a former MI6 agent described being shown the very same plan in 1992 for a possible MI6 assassination of Slobodan Milosevic and claimed it was MI6 who killed Diana. Because of all this, the inquest ended with the verdict of unlawful killing, blaming her death on the mysterious military hit squad. But the mainstream media spun the entire thing to make it sound like it was the paparazzi that caused her to crash, which is demonstrably false. And while there was no investigation into finding the members of this military hit squad, three years later, the alleged driver of the white Fiat, who had ties to MI6, reportedly committed suicide after being found shot twice in the back of the head and burned inside of his car. During the inquest, many things were kept from the jury, such as the fact that Diana's seatbelt was found to be defective and evidence of the car being sabotaged. Interestingly, these things would have brought more suspicion towards Dottie's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, 
who, after turning down repeated offers from the French government to provide security, was solely responsible for Diana's security detail, and at the last minute, had them leave their security detail in front of the hotel as a decoy and take a different car, a car that was recently stolen, broken, repaired, and never checked by security. Left with only one security guard, they were also assigned a new driver. Henri Paul, who had no chauffeur permit, was tied to foreign intelligence services, was seen on camera signaling to someone just before setting off, had received over 50,000 francs the day of the crash. And this was all under the watch of Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was deeply connected to the intelligence community. He was business partners with one of Lee Harvey Oswald's handlers and represented the grandfather of Mohammed Atta. But none of that was mentioned during the inquest. Instead, with the help of pop culture agents such as Howard Stern and Piers Morgan, Mohammed Al-Fayed has provided the world with the cover story that Diana was pregnant with Dottie's child and Prince Philip had her killed because he's racist, which seems like a strange cover story. That is, if you don't realize that the entire thing was a satanic ritual. Rituals are meant to be witnessed and the death of Diana is steeped in satanic ritual. The royal family, originally known as the Sachs Coburg Gotha bloodline, changed their name to Windsor to sound more British. Their inbred family is traced back to Vlad the Impaler, otherwise known as Dracula. And with several proud Nazis in the family, including Prince Philip, the royal family is obsessed with pagan ritual and all things occulted. According to the carefully planned breeding of royal bloodlines, the marriage between Diana and Charles was for the Merovingian ancestry of Lady Diana to be seeded into the royal family. Diana was well aware of this and referred to herself as the Windsor Broodmare. They were married at St. Paul's Cathedral, owned by the royal family and built upon the site of a Roman temple dedicated to the goddess Diana. According to occult beliefs, the goddess Diana was Lucifer's consort, and on August 13, 1313, they produced a magical daughter named Aradia. In Freemasonry, this same trio is known as Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This same ritual is shown in the Roman Polanski film, Rosemary's Baby, where the innocent virgin is unknowingly recruited by a satanic cult to mate with Lucifer and spawn a child. After the birth of Prince William, Diana became a threat to the family. She had major influence and used it to shine a light on the family's powerful interests, such as the endless war machine. Her life was being threatened and she told several friends that the family was going to kill her. Less than a month before her death and after a series of affairs, Diana started seeing family friend Dottie Fayed. And on August 31st, the satanic ritual sacrifice date for the goddess Diana, Diana of Wales was driven out of the way past an ancient Egyptian obelisk and into a tunnel named in dedication to the goddess Diana. Inside this tunnel, Diana's Mercedes crashed into the 13th pillar, where she was kept to bleed to death above a known ancient Merovingian underground chamber for the ritual blood sacrifice worship to the goddess Diana. This is the religion of the world's elite, 
Prince Philip said he would like to be reincarnated as a deadly virus to wipe out humanity. His underling, Maurice Strong, co-founded the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. And Prince Charles, who brags of being related to Dracula, co-founded the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative. These are the leaders of the so-called New World Order. These monsters are the best that they have. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Greg Reese always knocks it out of the park. That brings all things together and all things connected. We aren't looking at nation states. We're living under an occult network of people. Nation states are simply made to keep people in borders, to keep them corralled, to keep them opposed and hating one another, and to keep people worshiping flags and government rather than God. This is the real challenge because people are very proud of being patriotic and being American. Fact of the matter is that we're just another part of the tendrils in as this current state of our nation is of the elite's control through satanic networking. A nation state is literally a political unit where the state and the nation are congruent in a more precise concept than country, since a country does not need to have a predominant ethnic group. A nation in the sense of common ethnicity may include a diaspora or refugee who live outside the nation state. Some nations of this sense do not have a state where their ethnicity predominates. In a more general sense, a nation state is simply a large politically sovereign country or administrative territory, a nation state may be contrasted with, and this is right out of Wikipedia, you can read it, a multinational state where no one ethnic group dominates, and that in such a state may be considered a multicultural state depending on the degree of cultural assimilation of various groups. There's another idea, which was a city-state, which is much smaller than both a nation in the sense of large sovereign country and which may or may not be dominated by all or part of a single nation in the sense of a common ethnicity. An empire is another contradiction, contradictory model or opposing model, which is composed of many countries, possibly one, none, sovereign, none of them sovereign states and nations under a single monarch or ruling state of government. There's also a confederation, which is a league of sovereign states, which might or might not include nation states. And notice that word confederation, which is the confederacy, which was a league of sovereign states versus which was the United States. A federated state, which may or may not be a nation state and which is only partially self-governing with a larger federation. For example, the state boundaries of Bosnia and Herzegovina are drawn along ethnic lines, but those of the United States are not. The issue that we have right now in this nation state, we are actually in a nation state, is that we were an experiment of many kinds to bring together many ethnicities and to create a melting pot under one concept of being American. And with all of the issues that we, all the ways that we can look at this, including our founding father's strong belief, the problem is that the nation state model 
whether by design in the original or whether it has become this, has been usurped by the corporate entities that run it. And those corporate entities are in the United States are driven to a large degree by the military industrial complex, which we were warned about by Eisenhower. The military industrial complex is the engine of war, obviously, and they make their business on creating perpetual war. Now, all of these things are important to understand because then you have to get to motive. As a people, I would argue that most Americans have no desire to go to war, but that doesn't work well for the profit and for the control of the world. And so you have to constantly create the issues of perpetual war. All of this ties in with the greater global organization, which has nothing to do with nation states. Imagine sitting at the top of this empire in the world and looking down on all of the, quote, nation states. What might you see? You'd probably see corrals, not nation states. You would see jurisdictions that were invisible fences. You in the United States would be very well organized because it would go from a, a federal they would then have states that would be submissive to it. And then you would have counties that would be submissive to the state. And each one of those areas, people would live and reside. And even though the illusion is given that people can move freely, the control factor is, is their job and is their debt. So the United States is a place that gives the illusion of having an enormous amount of control and latitude to move, enormous amount of freedoms. But as we go up the pyramid and we look across the entire world, we start to realize the tailoring natures of these corrals. What a corral looks like in the UK is very different than what the corral looks like in the United States or in Canada. And because of these differences, we tend to take identity within the nation state. And as we hold on to the identity of the nation state, we like to judge and point our fingers at the other nation states that aren't as good as us. One of the most ridiculous rivalries that occurs is between Canada and the United States. And what most people don't realize is in the early part, early leading into the Revolutionary War, our founding fathers petitioned Canada to join us as the 14th colony. But the Jesuits were sent by the Vatican and settled into Quebec and began to go to work to make sure that that never happened. And that's exactly where we are today. We have a country to our north who has now become highly communist. Though we're probably more communist than they are at this point in time because we're more tyrannical. But we, we don't see the unity in ourselves. We come from common blood. We are common people. We should be unified as one. And as you travel in Canada, you find out how much, common, how much in common we have. But the things that keep us apart are the dumbest things in the world. We will look at Canada and go, well, we don't want universal health care. And Canada says, but we have universal health care. Here's, here's a crazy one. We talk about how great our Second Amendment rights are. Now, I'm not talking about where Canada is now, but as of two years ago, any Canadian could mail order a gun to their house. We can't do that unless you have an FFL. We live under a, a high percept, highly controlled environment with media and propaganda to prop us up to make us believe that we are the best, the freest, and the mightiest in the world. And that's all part of this game of keeping us opposed to others. And when other people hate us, then we simply call them the enemy. Here's a great irony. With what we know now, we know that our country is run by a satanic cabal. So isn't it interesting, and I've done these interviews, when you interview people in the Middle East that say have association with Taliban or Al-Qaeda, 
this will be a common response. We decided to go to war with the United States because you have become the great Satan. I'm not sure they're wrong. Not in terms of the belief system and the structure of the West. When Putin talks about this being a righteous war, and while I'm not taking the sides of the elites, because I think a lot of this is an elite fight between elites, but Putin is saying it's a righteous war because he's going against the satanic orders of the West. Again, I don't think he's wrong. So what is the real organization then? And like I said, I think you'd probably see colonies and corrals because what we look at as nation states that are free, independent, when we dig under the cover of that, we realize how controlled we actually are. And this gets to a very disturbing place because we're trying to fix a system from within. We're trying to work within the network of things. We do elections and we keep looking for these great outcomes that are going to change. But if you listen to the Mike Lindell interview on Tuesday night, then you'll hear very clearly that everything is corrupted and it takes it down to the machines. Essentially, the summation of Mike's conversation for an hour plus on Tuesday night is that the machines guarantee they will always get the candidate they want. And unless we get rid of them, we don't even have a country. We can go further with that argument to say that there's never been a free election in the United States, which I think is probably true at least in our lifetime. This is the real challenge in understanding how to fix this. Because as we look at our nation state and realize that our nation state is a corporate run corral to keep people contained and occupied, the one thing you have to do in a corral is make sure that the animals don't get too wily and break the fence. So what do you do? Well, if you take cattle and they start to get a little wily, there's a couple of things. One, you might want to look at feeding them differently, right? Or you might, if you've got a bull that's wily, you want to bring in some females. And the females are going to keep him occupied. Because if he has females next to next to him and he's going to look at those and he looks at his females and he's like, well, you aren't interested, he's going to go to them. When we overlay that into the human model, look at how this works. What's the number one advertising product and subject across the entire United States? It's food. And what's the number one profit mechanism on the web? It's porn. Interesting, isn't it? Keep the cattle fed and keep them well sexed. And as they have that, then they begin to become compliant and they become willful and they'll do whatever you want. Then you need to throw in a little bit of fear. So today when I came up to the property, there was one of the uh, calves has decided to take a walkabout by jumping through the fences. He's figured a way to get through the fence and has been running the driveway like a 100-yard dash lane. So give him a little chase on the ATV, which he does not like. He jumps back into the main field and he doesn't leave. you got to still a little bit of fear to keep the animal realizing that he's out of line. Are we any different? All we needed was a little bit of COVID, a whole bunch of masks. And boy, people became obedient slaves once again. Now they're even better than they were before because now they're pointing the fingers at each other. They're not looking at the government. They're hating each other. We throw in a little bit of racial mix. We throw in a little bit of gender mix, bring up the idea. And then now in the middle of all that chaos, then what we do, if you're the elites, is you say, now let's make them agree to the way we live. Let's show them and let's argue in defense of Satanism and let's start grooming their kids and let's start showing them that we're pedophiles, but that it has to be normalized. And they'll go on with it because in this chaos, 
they don't want more fighting. They're trying to find bridges to unity. And we can argue that in order to have unity, you have to embrace the pedophile. Otherwise, we can't get along. They're all pedophile Satanist whores is who runs this world. And we're living under a lattice of pedophile Satanist whores in this nation and in this world. And it's time we start getting our head around this and realize that this fight is not about putting another politician in office. It's about recreating the entire system from ground up. That means county by county. Let me play another piece here. I think this will put things in real perspective in how much has been going on here in the States for like the last 30 years. The United States has special ops forces, meaning intelligence and military operations in more countries than they have embassies. They have embassies in roughly one third of all the countries in the world, but they have special ops forces in roughly three fourths of all the countries on earth. The US has carried out at least 469 military interventions since 1798, but more than half of those have been carried out in just the last 30 years. In other words, they've carried out more military operations around the world in just the past three decades than in the preceding 200 years. If you combine the total spending of the top 10 military budgets in the world, the countries that spend the most on their militaries, if you combine that total, it still won't equal what the United States spends on their military. Now these 250 or so military interventions since 1991 have been primarily carried out for economic reasons to control resources, access to resources, access to markets, to control markets, and so on. The use of the American military has been disproportionately for the sake of business. It has not been ideological, it has not been nationalistic, it has not been religious, and it has not been to spread democracy. The U.S. military does not enter a country except that it is either following or followed by businessmen. Now I'm saying all of this to explain that whenever we talk about the U.S doing this or that, we're not talking about the United States per se. We are talking about the military and political power of the U.S. being mobilized or being used to promote or secure or protect the interests of a financial elite who may or may not be American, but who are themselves not loyal to the U.S. This has to be understood. Whenever people start talking about uh, the world moving from being a unipolar world to a multipolar world because you're simply mistaken if you believe that the United States of America is in and of itself the unipolar power in global affairs. The U.S. is simply the strongest and most coercive instrument of power in the world and it is utilized by a contingent of financial elites who belong to no nation. The owners and controllers of global financialized capital constitute the unipolar power in the world today. It's a private sector power. They are not a country, they are not a nation state, but they dominate global affairs. As long as this remains the case, there is never going to be any genuine multipolarity in international relations. So it would be useful for you to start thinking of investors or thinking of the rich as being their own nationality. Their interests and agendas have nothing to do with the security or well-being of the nations in which they hold citizenship. As we can see now across Europe, this new imperial class of private sector elites have no hesitation in undermining the economic stability, the financial well-being, the living conditions, the quality of life, the peace and tranquility of even Western nations. 
So before we can confront this reality, we have to recognize it. Nation states do not exist as independent power entities in the West. They are subordinate to a private sector, a national class of imperialistic owners of capital. The Western neoliberal political and economic models are hostile to national sovereignty. They're hostile to democracy. They're hostile to independent government and they're hostile to any iteration of a social contract. In these models, the highest duty of every citizen, of every institution, of every government is to contribute to corporate profits. It is quite simply greed gone mad. Yes, it is. Greed has gone off the chain. And what we're dealing with is illusions. And it deals with our idolatries. When we begin to put so much emphasis in the worship of our flag, in the worship of our nation, and we put that before our worship of God, we get easily misled. And sadly, that's pretty much where we've arrived. A nation that has been now worn down, a group of, a collective of people, really, in the boundaries of what they call a nation state, that have been worn down, looking for quick answers, all everyone thinking that there's going to be some, something that's going to come to make it all better whether it's the existing administration or a new administration under Trump or whatever those dreams are, not realizing that none of this is actually happening without the release and authority of the higher-ups in the financial sectors that rule the West. The Western world has made a decision somewhere along the way that in order to be successful, its people need to be reduced, its manufacturing has to become robotized, and driven by AIs, that in order to control the people of the West, they need to be chipped, they need to be integrated into a transhumanist model so that they can become a superior race to all of the other races in the world. You see, we're not really living under a republic. We're living under a Nazi tyranny that's trying to make a new master race to control the world more than they already do. When we're talking about an arms race of technology and you look at the education level of those in the United States and you compare that to, say, the functioning educational level of Russia and China, we don't rank well at all. But what would happen if you could get everybody chipped and everybody integrated into the web like the transhumanist model driven by a master AI? that education gap would suddenly go away, wouldn't it? We have to come to the realization of what we really are as a nation, and this is the part that's going to be hard for many. We know that these people in power are Satanists, but what we're not really acknowledging is they're not just Satanists, they're part of a global Satanist order, in particular a Western Satanist order that has roots in all of the power elites has roots in all of the forms of government, has roots now even down as local as your school board. They have done this systematically over time to expunge God from this public square. They've done this systematically to reduce the youth's understanding of God or relationship with Christ. They waged war against the church in this final blow in their terms under COVID which was to sever the church from the people, leaving people to wander. And if you heard the show last night where we talked about these hubs, of these new hubs and preparation, preparation hubs for coming disaster, you're starting to see the new footprint of the new world order being laid before us 
in our local communities and around our, our cities and around our states. These understandings have to be made very clear because the fight that we fight is at a county level to restore the counties back to a republic. It's not going to happen by worrying about your election for presidency. It's not going to happen by worrying about your election for a state rep. Those elections are fully rigged. We do still have some control locally. And it's important that we wage that war effectively and decisively at a local level. Failing to do so. Failing to do so, we are going to fail this fight. The game that they're playing right now is to keep us distracted. If you imagine what's actually going on up top, you start to realize how it's completely a uniparty. They don't care what, what we think. There are issues that are going on right now. They're voting just in the last 48 hours. They have voted to raise the, to raise the, the retirement age to 70 from 65. Why is that a big deal? It's actually a representation of the success that they've had with COVID. Going into COVID, Social Security was expected to go bankrupt by 2025 and 2027 at the latest. But the new numbers that come out are saying that Social Security won't go bankrupt until 2035. But what they're worried about now is Medicaid and Medicare, which will go bankrupt by 2027, apparently. You see, by raising the new age for retirement to 70, they're also leaning into the new reality post-COVID thanks to their wonderful bioweapon that they've issued in the public. The average, the, the average rate of, or your average age of ex expectancy in the public has now reduced to 73. Isn't that interesting? Raise the age now to 70 to gain full benefits in retirement. They only have to pay you one, two, or three years of your Social Security benefits. Then you kick the bucket, and they save all that money. That's a preservation strategy for one of their biggest milk cows they possibly have on Capitol Hill. It's Social Security. It's the place they tap to do all the other things that they're not supposed to do. And when it comes to looking at the other parts of the sec of the population, well, see, that's, that's another good one. Because they have a little problem right now with too many people on Medicaid and Medicare. That's came out from a lot of that probably comes out from the, the, the COVID shot. But don't worry. I'm sure they'll find a nice way to kill them off of nothing more than time. We're nothing more than just numbers and cattle to them. Just like when you put on too many head of cattle on a, on a, on a piece of property. You have to make decisions. Either you're going to have to find other property to lease or you're going to have to bring in feed to supplement what they're getting in terms of the grass. So that would be hay and, say, other grains to feed them. Or you're going to have to decide to sell or butcher part of your herd. It's that simple. Well, they're not going to bring in more inputs to feed people. We see that already. They're crushing down on the food implement, um, food issues. A robot's more efficient than a person. They are definitely not looking at trying to change and give us more space to live in. But I will guarantee you, looking at culling the numbers is on top of their list. And every time they do that, that means they have to give up nothing. We give up everything, but they expect us to be happy. The real fight that we're in can't be bound by a red, white, and blue. The real fight we're in can't be bound by a loyalty to some Air Force jet that flies over your head and sprays red ink in the sky or red exhaust in the sky. 
and it sure as heck can't be bound by some stupid football team of men running around in tights, throwing and playing with balls. But it does have to start anchoring itself truly in a kingdom vision to understand that what we're here for and our mission here, it's literally to occupy, expand, and subdue the enemy. I'm also not suggesting that at some point we couldn't restore a nation of the United States of America. But that fight is not going to happen from top down. And it sure as heck isn't going to happen by voting in a bunch of people that are working through these digital machines, what we call the Dominion system, and expect there to be change because there won't be any. Ron DeSantis is a great example. I've called out Ron DeSantis for over two years now. Mike Lindell fried him on Tuesday night's show. And it's the same principle. How did Ron DeSantis get to power? How did he get through the Dominion machines, the Dominion-run voting system, and get to be governor? He didn't get there. He was selected. But again, when people are eager to find these solutions and they keep wanting to believe in the framework of the system, that you look at DeSantis and they say, well, look what he's doing and look what Trump's not. Obviously, DeSantis has got a great run for presidency. Don't you think maybe they thought that one through? Don't you think these elites that are so good at deception are going to think it through a little bit better than just allowing a DeSantis in one of the most critical states in the union to become president without having a, a whole plan around it? I think the other irony of this whole thing is how many conservatives have moved to Florida. Don't know what's planned, but I'll tell you what, Florida's a pretty vulnerable state. I'd hate to see a tsunami wipe that one out. Patriots, we have to open our eyes and realize that this land is given to us by God. But we're not going to get here by just the European descent taking it back. We're going to have to dismantle the system by building bridges and unity, which includes with First Nations, it includes with other elements that are here, whether it's Hispanic, Black, Asian. We have to come together as one and take a stand against this tyranny that literally just sees us as cattle to slaughter or to put out to pasture and die. The boundaries of this nation can't be the limitation of how we see things or the anchor in how we operate. The boundaries of this nation have to go much greater in our minds, in our hearts. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a unified place where we can live within the respect for one another, have the defense to protect ourselves, but not under the flag of a satanic corporate cabal, but rather under a banner of Christ and together make the stand to where no one else can occupy other than us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we have and this fellowship that we've built across the world. In so doing, we begin to open our eyes to the greater tyranny that's been going on in particular in the West and the Western aligned states. It's becoming increasingly clear that the true powers to be don't see us as members of states, but rather cattle in a corral. And that the true powers to be rule by worshiping the dark Lord, the father of lies. Father, what we're praying for now more than ever is a rise of the righteous remnant. Those that have the fire in their belly and the fire in their heart to understand that this fight that we're in is going to take a long time. This is a generational transformation, one that's going to take persistence at a local level, one that's going to take dedication to informing people, and one that's going to require us to go back before we go racing forward.
Father, we just pray for that resolve in the hearts and the discernment that each needs to be able to see through these current deceptions that continue to laden us and burden us in each and every step, to appreciate that those that make the promises mean nothing unless it's truly in their heart and they're walking with you. Guide us and protect us in this time. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All things in the heart are what reveal the depth of the person in their soul. Not the words they promise, not the campaign promises they make to make life easier, a life cheaper, the promises of lower-cost drugs, the promises of of a free cell phone. These sounds like these all things sound like a cartel drug dealer. And that's pretty much what we're dealing with. This is a transnational, transgenerational network of satanic cabal. They don't have any interest in God. They hate God, and as a result, they hate us. They are pedophiles, most of them. At the very least, they're groomers. Most of them have obsessions for, for young kids. They're a sick and despicable group of people that have built their empires by making more of their own, by grooming, raping, and exploiting children to keep the trauma going from generation to generation. This is who we're dealing with. They have no interest in making peace for you or with you. They have no interest in being kind. They would rather serve you on a plate and stuff your mouth with an apple like you would a turkey and enjoy the laughter of knowing that they consumed a human than actually care about how you live, how your family is, how your job is, or any of the promises that they made to make life better. This is the sickness of our world, and it's a sickness that can only be stopped if we stay true to our faith in God and true to the mightiness of both the sword of the spirit and the sword of steel. It's not a time to waver. It's not a time to fright. It's not a time to, to shudder. This is a time now to be fierce, to be vocal, to be strong, to be the Davids in the fight, to stand up and let God guide your hand in justice because there's going to be a lot of that needed. And it's time to hold these people accountable for the crimes which they have done and will continue to do unless someone has the courage to put them in check. One last word for tonight, Patriots. I forgot to mention at the beginning, Kilted Christian is not playing tonight. Duncan has a tornado in his backyard or in his area. They've already had their transformer blow up. He has no power this evening. So you will not uh, have a Kilted Christian show tonight. But please keep your prayers up for Duncan and his mom and uh, all of those in the Texas area that are suffering this tornado. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war 
and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 